Please be seated. Let us pray. Lord, we come before you this morning, knowing that this week has knocked us off of our schedule, has um, perhaps given us time at home and time together. Lord, I pray time with you and time with those that we love. As we gather to worship this morning, Lord, may you continue to warm our hearts with your holy word and your holy presence. Thank you, Lord, that we can be connected, not just here in a building called the church, but the people being the church that we are connected through your presence and through your love and through your spirit. So I pray that spirit be amongst us all, wherever we may be, that we feel and hear and see and recognize who you are. In your name we pray. Amen. So how many of you like to shop? Some, a few, online maybe. Was Christmas a fun shopping experience for you or a miserable experience for you? You don't have to answer, but you can probably tell just by reading each other's faces. What is it that attracts you to a store? Anybody? Price. What is it that keeps you at a store? For me, it's customer service. Price and product might get me in the door, but it's the customer service that keeps me there or that keeps me going back to the same place. In a store or even when you're shopping online, there's nothing I enjoy more than interacting with a person who knows what they're talking about. They understand the product. They know the sizes, the colors, the varieties. They know the options. They know something that might substitute if what you want is not in. They make you feel good about what you are buying. This Christmas, I bought Susan some clothes from a local store in Memphis. I actually ordered it online in order to get to the actual size and fashion that I thought she might like the most and got it just in time to get it for Christmas. They were very nice and helpful. Well, as you can imagine, the order got delayed. It kind of got messed up a little bit and delayed. So as soon as I found that out, I called them. They're very polite. They corrected it. They fixed it. And it was, I got it just in time. Customer service is a key to good business. The type of service we receive might make or break a sale or affect our lasting opinion of a product or a store. I believe the church is no different. I believe the church is no different. How we live our life, how we represent the church, how we reflect our Christian faith can make or break someone's own experience of what it means to be a Christian and what it means to be a part of a Christian community such as Emmanuel. To provide good customer services Christians, we must be good stewards of service. Today I want to talk about stewardship. Now, yes, stewardship is financial, but that's not my emphasis. Yo, that is important. But I want to really talk about the stewardship of ourselves, of our lives, of our gifts, of our service. Remember that giving to others and to the church doesn't start with us. Giving starts with God. 
For God so loved the world that he what? He gave us. To what type of service did Jesus call the disciples? How did they respond? And perhaps to what type of service is Jesus calling us? And how will we respond? I hope we find the beginning of those answers in today's scripture. Join me in the Bibles that you've brought with you, your devices, those in the pew online. I hope you'll grab a Bible or your phone or whatever works for you to look at today's scripture this morning coming from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. Turning to Mark, chapter 1, beginning at verse 16. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee... He saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting the net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Do you know what a person's vocation is? What perhaps is a person's vocation? It is what we do, but it's so much more. I've heard more than one person say it's the intersection of our life and God's will. Our vocation is the intersection of our life. And God's will. The result has a life kingdom impact and a conviction and a passion and a response that's hard to let go of. To understand our vocation or to know what it is, we have to spend time. Spend time listening to God, searching who God is and who he calls each of us in our life to be. And how we respond can make all the difference. Not just in our life, but in others' lives too. Have you ever heard of the story or read the book called The Power of Half? It's been out for a little while. One day in 2006, a writer and an entrepreneur in Atlanta and his wife were driving down the highway, with the, or driving down the back roads actually, with their 14-year-old daughter Hannah. She had been at a sleepover, and as they were on their way home, they came to a stoplight. Hannah noticed a Mercedes coupe on one side of the street and a homeless man begging for food on the other side of the street. And a thought suddenly struck Hannah, and this is what she said. If that man had a less nice car, then that man over there could have a meal. The light changed, and the family drove on, but the daughter didn't let the subject go. She pushed her parents about inequity and insisting that she wanted to do something personally. And finally, the mother got so frustrated, she turned to her daughter Hannah and said, What do you want us to do? Sell our house? You know probably what's about to happen. Hannah didn't let that idea go. She kept urging her parents to sell their luxurious home and to give half of the proceeds to charity. They could buy a more modest home with the other half, she said. Well, in the days ahead, the family began to talk about it, and she began to promote this idea, and the family finally got on board. They sold their home. 
They moved to a house half the size and significantly half the price of the one they sold. They ended up giving $800,000 to the Hunger Project from New York City. It was an organization that sponsored health, microfinancing, food, and other programs for 40 villages in Ghana. The interesting thing the writer shares is that this brought the family actually closer together. They got together and researched which charity that they wanted to participate in. They participated in World Vision's 30-hour famine to learn what it was like to be hungry. They went to local food banks and soup kitchens and volunteered. They labored on a team helping Habitat for Humanity build homes. They even traveled to Ghana to see what this hunger project was all about. They came together in another way, they said. In the larger house, the family had scattered in different directions. But after downsizing, the family began to be closer together. They spent more time together. Unexpectedly, this smaller house became more family-friendly. We essentially traded stuff for togetherness and connectedness, the author says. And what they did had effect on others. The people that purchased their home actually gave $100,000 to the same project. They've written a book about the experience titled The Power of Half. Their aim, the father and daughter say, isn't to encourage others to sell their home, but rather to urge them to think less of themselves and to find themselves more about what they give than what they possess. I think this was Jesus' calls to the disciples. To not be defined by what their profession is, but by what their vocation is. To not be defined by their profession, but by their vocation. And what's one's vocation? Where our life and God's will intersect. Sometimes he turns a writer for others into a writer for God. Sometimes he turns fisher men into fishers of men and women. God calls each of us, but how we respond is what makes all the difference. God calls each of us, but how we respond is what makes all the difference. Jeff Greenway was the former president at Asbury Theological Seminary. He stated that there are four different types of calls that work in the life of any Christian. First, is to follow Jesus. Second is to be like Jesus. Third is a call to ministry. And fourth is a call to full-time ministry. Let's look at these a little more closely. The first is a call to follow Jesus. When I used to teach confirmation, understanding what a disciple was a core part of what confirmation was about. Two words of what it means to be a disciple. To follow to follow him. Today's scripture, we find Jesus walking along the Sea of Galilee. This is a place he was familiar with. He had been before. He sees Simon and Andrew who are mending their nets from a time of fishing. He calls out to them, hey, follow me. I want you to fish for people. Jesus keeps walking. He sees James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and calls out to them, Follow me. 
And what do all four of them do? They follow Jesus. They start walking with Jesus in a new direction. Not towards the sun that's setting on the horizon, but towards the sun that's rising out of the sky, lighting a new day. Their journey of meaning and purpose had just begun. Their life had just intersected God's will. Now their decision to follow Jesus is not just a one-time event. And I don't believe it's a one-time event for us either. It starts with one, but involves the yielding of our lives every day from that point on. Bishop Kenneth Goodson recalls preaching on the need to accept Jesus at a youth assembly at Lake Junaluska in North Carolina. At the question and answer time, there was a young teenage boy, and he wanted to ask the bishop a question, and finally he began to ask him, and he said, when is the time that you accepted Jesus and started to follow him? And the bishop asked the boy, the first time or the last time? And the boy said, both. And the bishop responded, the first time was when he was 13. The last time was when he got out of bed this morning. When was the first time? And when was the last time that you decided to follow Jesus? The first call in our life is to follow Jesus. The second is to be like Jesus. As a friend once said, we're to be like a mirror of Jesus. Do you remember Jesus and Peter's conversation on the beach after his resurrection? Remember, Peter had denied him, and it's in John 21. They gather together on the beach, and Jesus and Peter are conversing. And Jesus challenged Peter, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Craig Strickland, who's the pastor emeritus at Hope Prez, comments on this point. We don't feed sheep for the sake of feeding. If so, they just get fat. Our primary role is not to feed, but reproduce. The reason we feed is so that the sheep will reproduce. We feed on God's word, not just for it to soak in and feel better because of it, but to reproduce disciples of Jesus Christ. How do we answer this call to be more like Jesus? How do you and I answer the call to be more like Jesus. We have to choose to grow. We have to choose to be more like Jesus today than we were yesterday. A second way is to practice the spiritual disciplines, or what we call the means of grace, that will cause the character of God to be formed in each of us. Worship, prayer, the study of God's word. I'm talking about discipline, study, accountability. A Sunday school class. A Bible study in the week. Perhaps another group of which can hold you accountable and encourage and walk with you. There are many opportunities and you can see them on the insert and there are others even in the community. Where we can grow. Where we study. Where we are fed where we are able to reproduce disciples 
of Jesus Christ through the serving of others. The first is a call to follow Jesus. The next is to be like him. The third is a call to ministry. And it's really this that I would focus is the call to serve. Here's the truth Dr. Greenway points out. God has called and gifted every Christian to ministry. If you've accepted Jesus, you receive the gift of the Spirit. You've received the gifts of ministry. And you're gifted to serve. We're all ministers. We're all ministers. We're given gifts by God so that we can give them away. I love to see that through Room in the Inn, through the food pantry, through community groups and agencies, through Sunday morning volunteers, Wednesday night, and so many others. All of us are called to give our gifts away, no matter our age or our ability. There's a purpose and there's a place for service. I believe we truly won't be whole. We truly won't be fulfilled till we find that intersection, till we find that vocation, till we fulfill that call and we give our gifts away and we receive more than we offer. What perhaps this year might be gifts God has given you that you've been contemplating to share with others? There's one more call that I want to focus on for just a minute. And I recognize this doesn't talk to everybody. Maybe it's just a few. Maybe it could be you. Luke shared last week some of his call and even some of his wife's Aaron's call to ministry. And there's something about a call to ministry and that's we are not, we are set apart, but not to be better. Set apart for full-time Christian service. Again, where our vocation and our job and intersect. It's not a call to sometimes acts of service, but a longing of the heart and a yearning of the soul to do more. The evidence is confirmed by others in the church. Sometimes it is to preach. But sometimes it's visiting the hospital. Sometimes it's chaplaincy. Sometimes it's youth ministry. Sometimes it's children. Sometimes it could be service of a particular kind that's a need in the community. Counseling, camps, social work. Have you wrestled with this? If you are or you've considered this, then I pray perhaps you'll talk to Luke or myself or Kevin or our staff in the different areas that's there in or someone that you know. Maybe it's time to consider leaving nets behind and not only changing vocation but changing job. Customer service is an important aspect for the church. We need to be about promoting love and mercy and hope and grace of God. We need to encourage others to remember their baptism and be kingdom others. We need others to see we know what we're talking about as shown through our actions and commitment to service. But we can't do it 
unless we take time to listen and hear the voice of God, to hear his call on our life and our willingness to respond. So my prayer today for those here in the congregation, for those listening, watching online, that your spirit will be tuned into the voice of God, that you'll take time to listen and feel the nudge of the spirit in your life, could be full-time ministry, could be behind the scenes in an act of service, could be to give something monumental away that others might benefit. So let us each set down our nets. Let us each let go and surrender to God that which holds us back and prevents us from following Jesus, that we might serve him together. Follow God. Follow God. And let us not be afraid. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to hear your call in our life. Help us to hear that nudging. Help us to respond to that nudging and urging. Help us to recognize, Lord, that maybe it's not just us being uncomfortable, but it's you reaching out to us. Lord, we've had more time at home this week. Perhaps in the midst of that time alone or time together, we recognize something somewhere, somehow, who you're calling us to be, to be to better our lives for you. Lord, open doors in which we can talk or share or offer or put that into action. Help us to align our lives and what we do with who you call us to be. In your name we pray. Amen.